Hello, and welcome to Right Care Baptist. Today, Henry and I are again with Jillian Foster talking about the COVID-19 vaccines and, and updates related to the vaccines. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Well, Henry, do you want to kick us off? Yes, Jillian, you know, uh, and, and listen, w welcome back. Uh, you, I, I think you I think you are still are our number one um, listened uh, podcast. So welcome back, Jillian. Listen, a lot's changed since we started vaccinating in mid-December. Can you tell the audience, tell us um, about how many have we done so far, the number of vaccines, employees versus public, any adverse reactions? Just give us the, give us where we are, please. We have received 133,000 COVID-19 vaccine doses across our system. Um, of those, we have administered 93,000 doses. That represents about 57,000 people. Of those, about 10,000 of those are our team members or employees, and we still have 21,000 doses scheduled out there. Um, the COVID-19 vaccines have very few severe allergic reactions, and thankfully that's what we've seen as well um, during our time in giving those vaccines. That, that's great news. And and yes, you know, I, I think I saw where like the, the adverse reactions, the anaphylaxis that everybody was worried about has been like, you know, a few cases and several million uh, worldwide, which is, is great. Since the last time you were on, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been given the EUA approval. Can you tell us a little bit about this vaccine and maybe how it's different than the others? Yes. Because, you know, there are no head-to-head -head trials of these three vaccines that we have, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer, it is tough to compare them. I feel like it's actually probably not appropriate to try to draw conclusions of them side by side, but there are some similarities, of course, and there are some differences. So the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is not an mRNA vaccine, so its vehicle or transportation mode is different. It is an adenovirus vaccine. So the common cold virus that we're used to has been altered. Um, it, it is used to um, enter a virus to our body that, of course, is not harmful, but that can produce the immune response to um, the COVID-19 virus as we need it to. Um, it also um, met, of course, all the FDA requirements of having um, X number of people in their trials. In fact, it had the most participants in its trials, um, a little more than Pfizer, um, a little more than Moderna. Um, I, I thought its um, demographics were also very interesting to folks. I know we had some questions around the Moderna and Pfizer clinical trial participants, particularly minorities, and Johnson Johnson um, actually had more. They had 19% African-American and 45% Hispanics. And so the, the most obvious and most popular difference for the Johnson Johnson vaccine is that it is one dose, and so that's got a, a, a lot of a positive press and a lot of interest from patients because of that. Um, for the pharmacy teams, it does have a little more flexibility in storage and preparation. Um, it is already in dilution, so it does not have to be diluted, and it doesn't require one of those ultra-low freezers, and so it's stored in the refrigerator. Some of the um, other similarities are that, like the Pfizer and Moderna, it does have to be separated from other vaccines by 14 days. It also has to be separated from administration of monoclonal antibody or convalescent plasma for 90 days. And it does still have the 15-minute observation time post-administration like the other vaccines. Chilling, what I've seen with J&J &J is that 
uh, it does have a little bit of a delayed uh, complete immunologic uh, response it tends to go up uh, almost week over week until you're some six, maybe seven weeks out from your vaccination. Is that what you're seeing in the literature? Yeah, and because the Johnson & Johnson trials were further along into the pandemic, I know there's been a lot of thought given that perhaps the variants were more at play in that um, trial participation group. And so, you know, does that play into some of the efficacy or effectiveness numbers that we see. I think a lot of folks think that it does. I think some of the blood samples um, that have been taken so far may not give us that information conclusively, but certainly um, this the 67% effectiveness of mild and moderate COVID-19, um, 14 and 28 days later, I know caught some attention compared to a little bit higher numbers for the Pfizer and Moderna. But to your point, as time goes on, 14, 28, and certainly at 49 days post-vaccine, the efficacy for preventing severe COVID-19 is, is really equal or above that of Pfizer and Moderna. Um, so still, all three are very effective, um, would, would recommend them to my family, and so we're, we're thankful to have any of them we can get. And again, again, the side effect profile from J&J &J has been uh, similar to what we've seen with Moderna and Pfizer. Yeah, and maybe a little more attractive. I think that has also been a reason why um, patients and consumers reading about J&J &J have um, asked about it and requested it because um, particularly for a couple of the side effects, um, the, the trial information showed that they were lower or less likely than Pfizer and Moderna, for example. Um, the headache and fatigue side effect was a little bit lower in the 30% compared to 50 or 60% for Pfizer and Moderna. The muscle aches were also a little bit lower, and then particularly the fever um, post-vaccine was lower in the 3, 3%, 5% compared to 10 or 15 um, in the other. So some of that absenteeism, folks feeling, you know, really bad the day after, um, it's, you know, looks to be lower with the Johnson Johnson vaccine. That's good. And, and, you know, and you mentioned how it's really hard to compare these vaccines and we compared the efficacy numbers for. For J&J um, &J versus Pfizer and Moderna, and it really, to me, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to try to compare those because you're comparing 14 days out of, of 1 dose versus 14 days out, you know, of 2 doses that are really scheduled, you know, a month or more apart. So, it, you know, your body's had a longer period of time to try to develop an immune response to. Pfizer and, and Moderna, and so it's it's unfair to really try to compare them, I think. But even with that, have have we noticed that patients are calling trying to request one versus the other? And I don't know, we were worried up front that because of the e efficacy difference, we might get that. Have we seen that? We have. Um, really early on, just days after the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine had the EUA approval, um, I think we felt people asking, I want to make sure I'm not getting that one. Um, we also had some employers. Baptist has partnered with employers to do some on-site em employer-based vaccination clinics. And we had a couple of employers say, I, I really want it to go well. I want it to be widely received. So I I'd really like to have the, the Pfizer and Moderna. As the weeks have gone on, um, we've now, it's flipped a little bit. I think that as the press has had time to kind of digest that a little bit and folks have had time to read about that and maybe visit with their providers, uh, that uh, now we're getting requests for the Johnson & Johnson. I think the one dose is really 
attractive to folks, maybe because COVID-19 in general is calming a bit. Maybe that's put people in a different mindset to, to really um, be willing to get the one dose, um, you know, regardless of maybe some of the different statistics they've read. So, Jenna, let me, let me ask you about AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca has had some starts and stops along the way. And uh, give me an update of, of where you feel like we are with AstraZeneca. It, it, it's had criticisms, and, and I want to touch on some of those as well, if we can. Yes, AstraZeneca um, has had some negative press of recent. Of course, the first one was when they um, paused the trial and wondered about the blood clots. Um, so far, that's really been, um, there's been no ability to tie the blood clots to the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. Um, more recently, as they submitted some of their preliminary data for um, hopes of the FDA EUA approval, um, there was some question about the validity of their data, particularly did they include all of the COVID-19 positive findings from their trial participants because the, the data was dated back in February um, and it was recently submitted. And so AstraZeneca has said, um, they may have by now even, but they have said they have their full report together and that they will restore their credibility. And uh, we're hopeful that um, the FDA will find that favorable. Uh, we know they will let us know if they don't and hold it to the same standards they have for the others. Uh, but I think it, it appears that they will be on track to have their data reviewed and, and that we would be hearing in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a, it's really interesting with that company. I mean, it, you know, it's been approved for several months in, in U, EU and, and UK, and we've seen the, the numbers that look really well over there and the, and the data over there. Um, despite the the blood clot, you know, news that was a, kind of just a brief blip, and, and I think they showed that it was not really a, a thing to be worried about. But um, you know, given all this controversy around their their data um, in the U.S., do we expect it to get uh, EUA approval here? Yeah, you know, as I said, we know the FDA will look through the same lens that they have for the other ones, and so. Um, as we saw with the other ones, you know, it goes through the FDA's advisory committee first, and then it would be a day or two. And so I think that'll really be the first the first step. And um, we're probably in, in a, a better place now than we were. And so I, I think no corners will be cut. And I expect they will really um, look for credibility for sure. Hey, Jillian, given, given that one, uh, one um, the J&J is, is different in its construct than the Pfizer and Moderna, uh, do you expect boosters for our Virginia uh, J to come, uh, or and uh, Moderna, Pfizer? Do you expect boosters to come? You know, so far, um, I know they're all doing some blood sampling and trying to look at um, their vaccine's ability to still have some effectiveness against an altered spike protein. Um, it, it looks like for the Pfizer and Moderna, they're feeling like, at least against the B117, the UK variant, that its effectiveness looks to be unchanged. Um, for some of the other ones, it's looking like, and I think so far the numbers are small, but it may have lower effectiveness, still still offer something, but lower. So they're, they're really all going to have a choice, and I know they're, they're doing different strategies. Will they make a vaccine or uh, manufacture a vaccine that targets that exact variant, 
will they offer a booster um, that's somewhat altered? I've read that some of them are even looking at a combo of some variant-specific and original vaccine combo. And so I think they're all thinking through. Um, to me, the three-dose, it's, it's just doesn't feel like a good long-term strategy, but, <laughs> you know, I know they need to address the issue. For J&J, &J, I think they're I think their blood samples, from what I've read, are kind of still underway, and, and I don't know that they've been able to, like I said earlier, conclusively say we're variants at play, but they may find that they were, and then will their effectiveness hold true um, because some were there? I, I know we found that, you know, for majority of the vaccine, they do have a decreased efficacy against the vex, uh, against some of these variants. Um, do we have data on I guess the the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine and how they um, perform. I guess specifically against the B one one seven variant that seems to be the most prevalent now around the country. Yeah, they've said from their their few um, blood samples and that data, um, they've reported that against the B one one seven, the effectiveness has been unchanged. Um, it's it's been the other ones that, to your point, still offer effectiveness, but just lower. I guess I guess another question. So we have we have the three that are out, the two that are mRNA, the one that is adenovirus, and then the AstraZeneca, which is coming forward probably. Are, do you have you heard or you anticipate other vaccines to be coming forward? Yeah, the next yeah. one in the pipeline looks to be the Novavax vaccine, and so again, it's a little bit different technology, not the mRNA, not the adenovirus. It's a protein, but it's a nanoparticle adjuvant, they're calling it. So it has um, several thousand participants in the UK. Um, it does have um, over 30,000 participants um, in the United States and Mexico, over 100 sites. And so I think they're on track for an April, maybe late April, um, FDA data submission. So it looks like they may be the next one. I think theirs is two-dose. I think they're doing a two-dose, 21 days apart. Um, fairly flexible in transportation. It's a refrigerator vaccine, so it may be the next one. And just that, I mean, do we need all of these vaccines? It sounds like, you know, I mean, Henry's over there shopping for laptops. We might have to, you know, start doing a bunch of reviews online, trying to find which vaccine we want in the next few months. Yeah, you know, I can speak for our teams. It's, you know, so much work has been um, put into place as far as processes to offer the vaccine. Um, we are grateful for the supplies we have, but our teams are reporting all across our systems that our ability to offer the vaccine hasn't changed. The interest in the vaccine does seem to be um, decreasing. I think our states are, are keeping up nicely and lowering the age that's eligible, and so that always helps and creates a boost. Um, but as you said, um, it, it feels like now, contrary to several months ago, uh, we have vaccine to give and processes to give them, and, and we're really trying to get the word out so people take them. Don't know what we do just yet with another one. <laughs> yeah, I, and I guess it, this may be relevant in the future since, you know, I think the CDC guidance around what to do uh, after you've been vaccinated uh, fully after two weeks, you know, it only gives you like that 90-day window of when they say you're, you're for sure um, can have a little bit less of restrictions. And a lot of us are already approaching our 90 day end of our 90 day window, unfortunately. And so um, I haven't seen anything out there. I don't know if you have regarding guidance on, you know, getting the vaccine again, if you've already been vaccinated, you know, when, when do we think we would ever get 
clarity around that. Yeah, I'm like you. I've not seen clarity around that, but we are approaching that that mark. The only other patient population that we've we've talked about and we're talking about again is our captive audiences that we have in the emergency rooms and in our hospitals as they're discharging. Uh, we had really um, avoided um, that group because we were letting them know certainly about how they could, how and where they could get a COVID-19 vaccine, but to avoid waste um, and just during a time where they were acutely ill, we had just really avoided um, any plans to implement that. But with the J&J, &J, um, and there's only five doses in a vial, um, we've really circled back around that, and the pharmacy teams and our executive teams are really thinking about um, maybe we should give that a little bit more thought. Um, so we'll be studying that really next week to see if that would be a good a good way to use some of this vaccine that we now have. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that because when we when we talked about vaccinations at discharge, when we had the Moderna and Pfizer, they did require that second dose and the logistics around that, and plus the potential for wastage of that. Uh, early on was um, mm -hmm. were considerations for us not discharging patients at the time of discharge who had not been admitted for COVID um, related issues. Uh, so that's interesting that J&J is going to potentially be the solution for that um, for that vaccination process. Well, thank you so much, Jillian. I, th I think you've answered all of our questions um, and thanks again for coming on the show. Henry, any you know, follow up, any last closing comments? No, Julian, thanks again. And, you know, when Jake's when Jake's ratings drop off, you know, precipitously, I'm sure he'll invite you back to, to up his ratings again. We really do enjoy you spending some time with us. Thank, thanks a lot for, for bringing this to us and to everybody that dials in. Thanks. Thank you both. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Right Care Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can find the link to the CME survey so you can redeem your credit. Mm -hmm.